This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagaan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Welcome to another episode and I wish I could greet you with a happy holi. But there is very little that is happy with this holi. We have just seen a horrific bloodbath in Delhi and the death count is up to 53 right now. Uh, it could go up. And the coronavirus has also hit India with about 30 cases. So uh, I hope the year looks up from here. We've hit rock bottom. But going forward, I hope for the best. I hope for more. Before I introduce the panel, can I please request our listeners to pay to keep news free? Because when the public pays, the public is served. And when advertisers pay, advertisers served. Please pay to keep news free. And if you've seen the News Laundry ground reports over the last week, 10 days... You can imagine the amount of time our wonderful reporters and they are really young idealistic bunch spent out on the streets through the night this takes time money energy resources so do consider subscribing to news laundry go to our website on the top right hand corner click on news laundry subscribe button and pay to keep news free also we have a couple of active news laundry sena projects one is the who owns your media project and if The Chhattisgarh project hasn't been topped up already. That also may still be around. Although I'm very happy to say, so many of you contributed, and we had collected almost 60 to 70 percent of the total amount already. The other project is who owns your media. Media ownership is a tricky business, and it requires a lot of time, effort, and research. This has been active for a long time. If you could please quickly top up this project and request your friends too as well, we can just start going on this because we've already got a certain amount of minimum research ready. So do check it out. Also, we have country and city specific subscribe uh, WhatsApp groups for subscribers, so we can keep you posted on what's happening, like Delhi NCR, Mumbai, Bangalore, Pune, etc. So if you're a sub- subscriber and you know want to be added to the subscriber WhatsApp group of your region, mail us your contact number on contact at newslaundry.com with the city and the country, so we can add you to that city and country WhatsApp group. It'll help us plan events better. So here is what happened in Delhi and what occupied. all news professionals and viewers the delhi violence was it a riot was it a pogrom was it just communal carnage i don't know what term to give it we'll discuss that that can continue to dominate the news new cases have been registered i'm not sure any case have been registered any against police personnel who also caught on camera doing horrific stuff a new video has emerged of a mob taking you know beating up policemen and actually bashing one of them we don't know what actually uh, is the specific action taken against them then there is the aap councilor tahir hussain who has come back and surrendered uh, then there was that press conference by the police saying that they had actually rescued him and then a clarification was issued later that no we had not rescued him then here hate speech please on friday the supreme court has told the high court the high court was pushing this kicking this can down the road on the on, on the hate speeches and they had i think given uh the police some four weeks or five weeks to decide to file the reason why they haven't filed fires then the delhi police probe says that whatsapp group of creators spread hate just before the surge in delhi violence delhi government sets up nine shelters for rioted people arvind kejriwal has announced and a bunch of other measures how well or not they are doing is still up for debate then kejriwal has announced 10 lakh compensation for the family of the deceased of all the riot victims but one crore for the ib official who was killed i don't quite get why 
one life is worth more than the other but anyway then mamta banerji has weighed in saying the delhi violence was a planned genocide regarding the sedition case the aap government has given a nod to prosecute kanhaiya kumar then the ca violence accused are named and shamed on yogi adityanath's orders big banners have been put out in parts of uh, up and this includes people that they were you know perpetrators of violence or trouble the same people who the court in up had said the police has no evidence against them how the hell have you arrested them but mr yogi ji doesn't care he has put their pictures and is doing the naming and shaming so clearly our country is in some la la land then covid 19 which is a name given to the corona virus is bang in india now 30 confirmed cases and expected to go up some offices in gurgaon have been closed for 15 days because some employees tested positive schools are shut in delhi for the next i think 15 20 days justice murlidhar was given a very amazing goodbye by the delhi high court he is the judge who was transferred who heard the delhi case on filing hate speech fir's against those netas who really came down heavily in the police at 11 o'clock at night he was given an order to go to haryana punjab and haryana high court his farewell from the delhi high court was quite a remarkable one you can see the pictures and hopefully news run will have a piece on that parliament was stalled because of a ruckus created and seven members have been suspended we shall discuss that in a little more detail meanwhile internationally elizabeth warren is out of the presidential race now it's two old men and uh, yeah i think uh, that about winds up the headlines now let me introduce the panel so on the panel of the hafta today we have our in house team of raman kripal hi mehraj lone hello hello anand vardhan from patna hello. hi anand and joining hi. us from england is kapil komireddy did i pronounce that right kapil yeah that's right yeah So a little bit about you. You were born in India. You were educated in England. You've written from South Asia, Eastern Europe, Middle East, and you have written for the Economist, the New York Times, Washington Post, the Spectator, Time Magazine, and a whole bunch of other foreign publications. Your first book, Malevolent Republic: A Short History of New India, was published in India and UK in 2019, and it won a lot of critical acclaim. And it was named a Critics' Book of the Summer by the Financial Times and the Times Literary Supplement. and a book of the year by india today and business standard you are a contributor to monocle radio and you live between hyderabad and london that's correct yes and right now you're in london that's correct yes so let's start off with the biggest headline and the newsmaker of the week which was the delhi violence now let me come to our guest kapil first you have observed this from a completely outsider kind of perspective from london foreign media i'm guessing is what you consume before you give me your commentary on what you think of its coverage what was lacking what what wasn't i have two specific questions one there is much debate here on whether this should be called a riot or not because i wasn't really aware that a riot suggests a spontaneous battle between two communities or organizations or whatever it is on the streets and some people want to give it the term pogrom because it has the state is an active participant so a how should it be categorized in your view and b do you think the criticism that the foreign media has been very one sided in its coverage is accurate over to you kapil right so the a riot implies a spontaneous eruption of violence we know for a fact that a spontaneous eruption would not have the kind of preparation that we've seen here you know people were equipped people were brought in from outside uh delhi 
to attack and to rampage through the streets, to vandalize places of worship. Uh, I don't think this is a riot. I think this wasn't quite a pogrom either, because a pogrom requires a standard that this violence hasn't quite met. There are elements of a pogrom there. I've described this as a prelude to a full-blown pogrom, and people such as your organization and other young reporters have actually, in in the manner in which they covered it, the aggressive coverage they lavished upon this violence, they managed to stem the violence because they managed to create an awareness around the world of what was happening. And this is this was happening in Delhi. And I think the government felt compelled to take action after three days of the city burning and count of dozens of people being killed in, in the violence. But I don't think... It is emphatically not a riot. Uh, it has all the elements of a riot but because there was a spontaneous eruption at the moment, but it grew into something that could have become a pogrom had it not been stopped. And uh, what about the criticism that the foreign media has a very one-sided coverage? In fact, the BBC has a, a function on the 8th of March, I think it is, for a, you know an award for sportswomen in India. And the yeah. head of Prasar Bharti, um, what's his name? The public broadcaster. Uh, the, the, the public broadcaster. Uh, I'll just his name will just come to me. Uh, so, uh, he has refused to attend, saying that the BBC had a very one-sided coverage of this. Uh, do you think the foreign media has been extremely selective in what it has chosen to highlight? I think uh, the foreign media's coverage has. I think there's there's a lack of nuance for sure. There there are two sides here. One is that anything that is not complementary about India. Is is vilified in India by the trolls as anti-India bias, and that that vilification tends to obscure the fact that some of the coverage of India actually isn't very nuanced anymore. A lot of the people who write about the rise of Hindu nationalism, about the current regime, do not talk about the causes that gave rise to the regime. They do not mention the fact that CAA was why the CAA was necessitated. They do not mention how the CAA actually functions. And this is a work, I don't think this is an act of design. I think when a perception builds up that a country is in decline, there's very little capability among people who cover that country from from a distance to actually introduce nuance into it. It it, it sort of, you know, when a a piece is written in Delhi and sent to uh, London or to New York for editing, I think the uh, editors add their own language, they compress language, and nuance somehow gets eliminated from that coverage. Uh, there is certainly a lack of nuance, and the way India is now being perceived is quite injurious to India's prospects. It's certainly its economy. Um, so I accept, yeah, that the, the, there's a lack of nuance in how India is covered, but I, I don't think there is a conspiracy, if you will, to, to defame India. I think India is supplying enough material to people who dislike India and people who don't know much about India, people who are just beginning to learn about India. India is giving them enough enough material to think that India isn't the kind of place uh, they thought or they want it to be. Right. I'll just move on to Anand, but before that, just a couple of headlines. And um, Kapil, do let me know when you have to go. It's fine. I understand you have a packed schedule, so I appreciate that. So a few things happened when this entire, you know, Delhi violence unfolded. Uh, One was several videos came about. One of them shows how a cop was pulled into a crowd and bashed. And I don't know if it's that same cop who later died or that's a separate case. Yeah, it hasn't been confirmed yet. But he was taken to the hospital. He was bleeding. Yes. 
and it shows like about a bunch of maybe 30 or 40 cops caught in a mob of a few hundred from either side stoning them and one of them gets pulled in uh, that recently came about and that was used in fact on prime time yesterday to justify the cops uh, heavy handedness then there were several videos of the cops either assisting uh, hindu mobs or you know bashing up people who were already you know lying and bleeding one of them has eventually died we have an interview with the young boy who took that video of the cops beating up a bunch of muslim youths and making them sing the national anthem uh, we will come to the how the aap has reacted and how the prime minister has reacted and everything after this but this is what happened as far as the violence is concerned the death toll now is 53 people and uh, we don't know if it will go up it might so coming to you anand a what is the term you would give to this violence because i really have i'm conflicted about that and about the same thing that kapil spoke about while well, he says there is a lack of nuance but yet the whole thing that if india is not shown in good light it is anti india conspiracy are we a little too churlish and childish about how the foreign media covers us okay so about the classification of the violence uh, um, i would uh, classify it as a communal uh, violence only not pro- program or or right. uh, uh, even and even more uh, in even in more exaggerated terms as genocide uh, it was neither pro- program nor genocide but a, a communal violence it is not very um, different from uh, other forms of communal violence except two or three things uh yeah, i was uh, uh, i means i had a premonition of uh, this uh, anti and pro shia groups somehow uh, getting into a violent confrontation it uh, before this violence it had some flashes of such violent confrontation in other parts of the country including bihar in patna there was a confrontation between the two groups but on such uh, and uh, there were other uh, parts of india but on a very low intensity le- level or uh, uh, but uh, delhi being the hub of uh, protest mainly anti shia protests and a kind of uh, uh say retaliatory kind of backlash being built up by political players as well as uh, a kind of uh, person who is uh, uh, easily taken into this uh, but uh, now that was uh, uh, the thing now s- second thing is the sequence the sequence of events through video footage or something is still not clear means people have fragments of video here they are, they are disturbing uh, incidents in itself but they don't explain a sequence so only uh, an investigation uh, uh, an investigation can actually establish a sequence and in that sense for all its flaws the police investigation if done well is the, the only thing to look for because two, there are two things that separate police first is that they would have access to information which generally journalists do, uh, can't demand from people because of being the authorized agency to seek information about any uh, violation of law they would 
get information which otherwise people would not get. Second, they would have to stand by whatever facts they find in court. They, they would have to supplement adequate evidence to support that. So only when the sequence of events is clear, then we can arrive at a definition of it. Uh, also, uh, one element also I would like to say that the causal relationship, the cause and effect relationship, that what caused it is still uh, very hazy. Means, uh, and it's never clear that what actually caused it is uh, now a spontaneous preparation from both communities, what the initial probe WhatsApp group have been created beforehand to supply, uh, say, means uh, volatile information. So th these things, uh, I think it would be too early to define nature of violence. Okay, so um, I'll before I come to Mehraj and Raman sir, and I have the same question, I just had one quick response, Anand, if you can give me. I'm curious to know that while you said that for all its flaws, you'll still like the police to carry out the investigation. So in your eyes, there is enough out there for us to trust the police. And I ask in the context of Justice uh, Murli Dhar's hearing, where a video of Kapil Sharma and that... Uh, DSP. Verma's, uh, that uh, Sahib Singh's son's Parvesh speech, Verma. which yeah. had been, Anurag. you know, wall-to-wall, uh, uh, -wall, it had been shown everywhere. The police said, we are not aware of this speech, we haven't seen it yet, that's why we haven't taken any action. And also, in light of all the videos of the Delhi police actually handing rocks to people uh, and beating them up, you still believe that the police is the best chance we have of finding out what happened? No, what I'm saying is that with all flaws, because the police still could have, uh, say, first communication gap, and all, all is to say that uh, all investigation would be prejudiced because of that, I don't buy that theory. Because the police is also constituted of different sets of people. So uh, uh, also the kind of information that it can dig would be far greater than any other organization. No, that's what I mean. Considering there was a video that... Pretty much everybody in the country had seen. A cop was but, standing next to him. And the police, but the police had not seen it. You believe that they will have information that we don't when no, but, the exact but, uh, opposite is when true. they would investigate, they would put everything on the table. Okay. So uh Mehraj, uh, how about you? How I, would you I, classify this and, and why? And about the foreign angle. Classification, I think I would go with the word carnage, so communal carnage. So mm. I, I, I think I've discussed this before. So I was editing this book on the communal rights in Bagalpur and Gujarat. So and we discussed how we should classify it. Mm. Then we decided on carnage because communal violence doesn't convey the gravity of the situation. And like Kapil rightly said, it doesn't reach to the level of a program right, right now. And rights, like you said... So you're saying it doesn't reach the level of program that's in sheer numbers or scale or... Yes, or, and, or, or visible and, state and, involvement. Yes, and after three days, the government did whatever it did. It controlled it, and so it, even if there was state backing, but it was only to a limited extent. The hmm. essential feature of a program, of course, is also the scale and also the the complicity of the state. Active state uh, yeah. involvement. So carnage, yeah. I think, sort of conveys for me conveys the okay. whole thing. 
as for the foreign coverage yeah it's true i mean it's going to happen everywhere even if indian media is covering a foreign country this is not going to be much nuance but as for the, as the facts are concerned nobody has disputed the facts the biggest controversy the biggest talking point was the wall street journal uh, reporting that uh, ib officers brother saying that there was a hindu mob there yes. he didn't say the hindu mob killed him but he, he said, said there was, there was a, a hindu there. mob and that is not disputed we have a story up ayush went on the ground and he found there was actually a hindu mob right across the street from where this right. person was killed mm. so that's not disputed so nobody has disputed the fact so when we are talking about that they they are lying or whatever nobody has countered any fact so it's just that they are showing this thing and there's this idea that since i mean i remember this uh, one of our subscribers raj shekhar had written this beautiful piece for us about the hindutva how the hindutva man sort of what is his psychology mm. and one aspect is that from the, from childhood he's been taught that india is great mm. nothing bad ever happens in india mm. and then he sa- sees this foreign media coverage of this and it only shows india in a negative light because that's what's happening mm. and his sense of pride is hurt and then he like blames everybody but himself for the for all these ills right as for the role of the police i i completely disagree with anand if we have to find the truth we have to go beyond the i don't know to which institution but beyond police beyond the usual institutions of state hmm. this is a police which not only sided with the writers not only was complicit in the violence you have plenty of videos around with the police going and breaking cctv cameras to right. destroy evidence yeah and this was not just some rotten apples within the police who were doing this yeah, this too was many. institutional hmm. and what's the evidence for that like you said the court hearing hmm. there's a policeman police officer standing right next to kapil mishra when he says when he makes that speech and now they're saying we haven't even seen that we are not aware of it right raman sir what is your view no if you look at the context you know they they the politicians the kind of war uh, the verbal war which was happening before this took place is uh, they're trying to project as if it is a war between two civilizations hmm. okay this is what was building up with the kind of uh, you know uh, it's a civilizational clash which ah. also jaggi who i think has completely yes. lost his yeah. mind so so so, so, tweeted, so yeah. these people and and uh, there were attempts uh, you know people had come with pistol at shinebag also hmm. to uh, you know there was an attempt uh, hmm. you know to do create some to kind escalate. of violence to escalate it but that is muslim dominated area completely muslim dominated area hmm. things did not happen if you look at the geography of northeast hmm. uh, delhi hmm. it is different you have muslim pockets surrounded by hindus and you have a couple of muslim dominated areas hmm. okay so i think i personally feel prima facie it was deliberate Hmm. it was started with some intentions and to teach, teach a lesson considering civil- where it was started civilization hmm. and then the muslims in a way they were uh, larger in number they reacted to it okay they also reacted to it they also killed uh, hindus ha uh, hindus so i think it was a it was a right full blown right also it is different because in that area uh, such rights had not happened in the past even when the things were pretty bad hmm. so so such there were small issues of communities going at each other but wasn't a murder no, kind no, of situation they were, they were never, never murder kind i know i i have a friend who is dealing in with chemicals over there hmm. okay he has 50 to 60% of uh, his clients are muslims hmm. so after he himself was saying that i mean what is this happening because his work suffers everything his, his work comes is to suffering. Stand, so, right. and then also the police when it comes to the police i I've spoken to a very senior officer in Delhi Police. Hmm. He says that we are completely helpless. Hmm. 
and as uh, mehraj said i mean if you look at the uh, videos which have come out i mean uh, the police uh, you know looking absolutely illegal the way they are uh, you Behaving. know uh, mm. breaking cctv and uh, hitting uh, those people so i don't i have no trust i mean this police cannot come out with a so kapil uh, uh, coming to you out of the many stories that emerge you know there is the question of the justice who was whose transfer orders came at 11 at night the day where he took the police to the cleaners all the videos of the police you know whether it's the politician speaking and there are many i mean journalistically many stories or many threads of stories for you what are the two major stories in this delhi violence communal carnage riot whatever you want to call it as as far well, as newsworthiness is concerned well newsworthiness i think i think we there will be a lasting impact based on you have seen avinandan people there, there was a video of young muslim men bloodied muslim men lying on the ground and police officers constables poking them with truncheons you you remember that video yeah. and forcing them to sing the national song now that that bespeaks a kind of cruelty that is almost beyond description people will remember that for a long time you know these are young men muslim men draped where you know for a long time muslims have been maligned as a potential fifth column and their response to that traducement has been to drape themselves in the indian flag you know pick up the indian constitution and pledge re- renewed allegiance to it throughout in- throughout india you know everywhere muslims have been gathering and reading from the preamble of the constitution and if the reaction to that is this kind of savagery then many muslims will recoil from india if they pledge patriotism and if india replies with if indian authorities replies reply with savagery then they 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 are they they are likely to recoil from india and that is i think the big uh Story the grave problem going problem. forward okay uh and the second thing is a complete breakdown you know this the the, the idea that modi that there was this residual idea that modi was still a competitive prime minister a competent prime minister uh what it what what it it turns out that his rule as prime minister is really a reprise of his reign as the chief minister of gujarat you remember in gujarat in 2002 he presided over similar riots and whether or not he he was complicit in the riots in the violence is besides the point he was definitely incompetent for 3 days gujarat burned around him and he did nothing for weeks actually in delhi in the capital of the country the city burned for 3 days and once again he was incompetent he couldn't do anything so i think the defining characteristic of the prime minister is incompetence he's sinister there's no doubt about that but he's also extraordinarily incompetent and these are the two things that stand out for me the cruelty of the authorities and the incompetence incompetence of the prime minister who's cast himself as some sort of a great international statesman right um anand for i come to you and you can respond to the other points that were made and what you think are the two big stories to emerge out of the many threads and the many kind of little subsets and acts that are happening in this larger drama uh, i just want to speak about the police force because as many of you know it is my pet peeve even if i were to strip all the video evidence of its you know morality the video which shows that cop being dragged by the mob you know where there's these maybe 40 or 50 cops and they are running and they scale that divider yeah now i you know there was a debate on it uh, on times now and uh, i i couldn't make it i had said yes because i really wanted to speak about this what stands out for me is our police force is such a pathetic police force 
that this is the danger that I said that when your citizenry is not even af afraid of the police anymore, then you're up shit creek. Forget them being unjust or, you know, horrible people. And why I say this is, and I'll just give you a little, uh, you know, in Varangte, where the uh, jungle warfare training school is. For those of you who don't know, there is a jungle warfare training school, which is originally only for the forces, for the army. Now police, CRPF also go there to train to take on Maoist operations and forests and stuff. Now, that mob, of course, is large. And they have rocks. But it is not three or four cops that are there. There are about 40, 50 of them. A trained force of 40, 50 can, with a defensive retreat, take on a mob of 100, 200, even 300, just people pelting stones. Right? If you saw how they were not even being able to scale that, and like 20, 30 of them went, they left this guy to be dragged out. There was no sense to how they were... They were not trained to take this on. They were just, they were buffoons with dandas. That's what they were. Let's, let's face it. And how they conduct themselves is buffoons with dandas, whether they are the aggressors or whether they are taking the shit. Now, why I mentioned the jungle warfare training school is because I have done a shoot there, uh, you know, where we were shooting. How they, And this is what one of the trainers there said, who is, of course, an army man. And I've, I've, I've mentioned this before in Hafta. He said, you know, when the CRPF and these guys come to train here, and, and he was saying it in the context of, you know, 67 guys who were killed. Uh, I think there was CRPF, 67? Chhattisgarh. Chhattisgarh? Yes. He said, you know, Abhinandan, I feel really bad for these guys who come to train. When the army guys come to train, I'm training them survival. Because they already know how to run 50 kilometers. They already know how to go three days without sleep. They already know the basics of training. They are fit enough to cover 100 meters in, let's say, 13 seconds. And they are fit enough to run 40 kilometers with just two bottles of water. They can do that. Jungle warfare training and taking on Maoists is the next step. These CRPF guys who come to me, they can't even run 10 kilometers. So, and they come 20-day training, 40-day training. He says, in this much, I can first teach them how to run. Then I will teach them survival. So you are basically sending these sitting ducks into highly motivated guys who are trained to fight. Now, if there was anything to show how a police force, and I have sympathy for that guy who was dragged out because of what happened to him, not because I have any sympathy for the institution and I'd like to make that distinction. And the problem is when you talk on television, if you make this distinction, you are yeah. celebrating someone. That's not what you're doing. I think it is important to point out that basically police are idiots with batons. That's what they are. And that showed 40 guys, one of your comrades is being dragged and you guys are jumping over a fence. Catch an army guy doing that. Catch a forgy. If there were 10 forgies and one forgy was being dragged by the mob, let's see nine of them jump and run. They would never do that. But yeah, cops would. Which, to me, shows the quality of the cops, which, in my view, is why I would not trust them with anything, let alone an investigation. So that is my rant. Anand, please. No, uh, two, three points. I would first take your point. Uh, there could be... Also, you you see, uh, not uh, from at from the constable level, but uh, the police leadership. Now, say an army lieutenant is uh, recruited for very different reasons: for physical fitness, for uh, doing tough tasks. But an IPS officer is mainly selected for his intellectual abilities to clear 10, 12 papers in. Uh, specialized subjects and general studies. So the onus is on his intellectual capability 
rather than on the uh, physical prowess or physical fitness so and that also percolates down to the constable level also second is you are right in saying that the, even the group solidarity that is in the defense forces say army about a particular battalion or, or a troop uh, is not there in police that uh, they would fend for someone mm, from the group but that is also missing in police so you are right, right on those two counts. But uh, despite that, I would say that uh, there are still uh, outstanding police officers, there are outstanding uh, people in lower ranks also. So I would not uh, brush aside everything that they do or uh, not trust them in anything. So I would not do, go to that extreme. S second, uh, second is that uh, about the point uh, Mehraj was uh, making about the psychology of a Hindutva man so, or Hindu nationalist. So uh, I would not uh, agree with that. I would go with what Kapil said that you have to look for regions about the rise of Hindu nationalism. It's not always about uh, that quest for greatness or something. It may have some uh, many other social, political, cultural factors. And uh, also same with uh, Jagdis, uh, you may agree or not agree, but that's his uh, reading of history. It may be, um, say, agreeable to a set of people, it may not be for others, some may, may trace it, but I would uh, still read it as a, a reading of history. So, uh, and about selectivity, yes, there has been selectivity in reporting in uh, foreign media. That's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, sorry, Mehraj, go ahead. So, I think the, there's two aspects to this police problem. One, obviously, is lack of training. Training Because whenever you see them confronted with this, it's not just here. Like in Kashmir, for example, there's a protest. The first mm. response is to shoot the protesters down. Mm. There's no other response. The other is an institutional problem. When you talk about people fear a police, they don't, in India, they don't fear the police because if they have done something wrong, they'll be mm. taken to, brought to justice. Mm. The idea is whether you have done something wrong or not, you are in the hands of the police, they'll make your life miserable mm. because they're hopelessly corrupt. They'll drag you through the criminal justice system. They'll destroy your or family. Or if you have the influence to influence the police, then we have seen then videos you can get away with murder. MLA's yes. sons putting their feet on a you know police guy's chair and saying, Dekh kya yes, leta so hai. that is a social problem. That's an institutional problem of corruption, mm. Mm. of incompetence, like you said. Mm. And wh wherever there is corruption, it's very easy, very easy to impose these ideological projects because they'll always go wherever the benefit is. So that that is one aspect of that. About about the Hindutva thing, that is like I said, Raj also says it. It's just one aspect of it. It's, it's not, not the, the whole issue. Yeah, it's yeah, not but the uh, uh, sir, before coming to you, just one thing, uh, Anand, I I don't have a. I mean, I have a problem. I disagree with Jaggi's reading of history. But why I said he's lost it is not that that is his reading of history. That he thinks it is a smart idea to post on the day when the count has reached about forty. Saying that it is time for Hindus to rise and take this battle to religions who are... I mean, to come up with that tweet on the second day of the riot requires an, a sense of tone, deafness and stupidity that is phenomenal. And I'm shocked and I really would like to have a conversation with Jaggi about this because I still remember many things that he used to say to me when the UPA was around about how these Latians journalists have access and how they show off their access. That same man is tweeting a chugli to Ravi Shankar Prasad because he has access. Because there are these, you know, Hindutva cluster fucks where, uh, you know, the big netas of BJP come. 
I mean, I wish I had a camera back then to play back exactly what he was saying. And how does he think this, this does not apply to him? And therefore, should not he be treated with the same contempt that he treats the Barkhas and Rajibs? I really want to understand the mental makeup of that person. Either that person doesn't remember what he or she did six years ago. Or the problem, like most Indians, is not that... The problem isn't that the club is fucked up. The problem is I'm not a part of that club. The club is fine as long as I'm part of it. Also, sorry, before you, it's not just that he said this on the second day of the riots. Mm -hmm. It's also that he is saying this sitting in a country which has been ruled by Hindu nationalists for the last six, seven years with brute majority, where the state, where the police, where every institution of state sides with the, sides with the majoritarian mob when they go after the minorities. No, I, uh, what Anand is saying, uh, so there are uh, few brilliant individuals in any institution. Even in the police, you have some brilliant institutions. But let us face it, on those three days, these men in khaki, they behaved like Hindus. Hmm. Okay? They were, Not like they were on police. one side, they had the institutional power. And they were playing, they were, they were betting for one community. This is how, I mean, the videos, all videos are showing it to us. So we haven't seen one exemplary, uh, you know, individual who tried to avoid this. I, I another, I'll tell you the incident. Uh, there's a f friend of mine, senior police officer in UP. He was telling that how did they, it, if, he said this is absolutely rubbish when the DCP says that we will not fire because in the past when we fired, we lost our jobs. Hmm. We were suspended. He said this is completely bullshit. If you have even with 303 hmm. rifles, he said when there was a right, like, which used to happen so, so often in uh, UP and hmm. he's a senior DG rank officer. He said we just fired three Muslim community people. Hmm. 303 hmm. or so so that we did it hmm. so we have done it it was easily doable doable so. easily doable right um, the intention wasn't so yeah clearly hmm. so um before I just move on to the next issue and after that uh, you know we'll just discuss for 10 minutes and after that couple uh, you can carry on I just have a couple of emails from subscribers. Uh, and maybe the panel can react to that and then we'll move on to uh, the other big story of the week. This one is from Amitabh Trehan. Dear Abhinandan, when you mentioned Hafta two weeks ago to visit the UK, you had been asked to pay your own passage. I chuckled as it reminded me of a saying by a famous person, Angrez Apta Lagan, Kabhi Rai Chhodde. However, as the weekend evolved, all humor was sucked out of it by the Delhi riots. It reminded me of the 1984 riots when I was a student in Gurgaon and saw how people who seemed perfectly inclusive would suddenly get turned bigoted for a while. Would you know where we could donate to relief efforts? It'd be great if News Laundry could have a list of verified organizations involved in relief efforts. Also tell if they accept contributions from abroad. My feeling is that it is easier to donate to the, to the venerable political parties if you are a rich foreign donor than to a good cause. Well, you're absolutely right. FCRA will be all sorts of problems for any NGO you'll donate to, but not for a political party. Anyway, somebody asked me an interesting, almost Gandhian question. Are there Hindu organizations which plan to help Muslims rebuild their properties and lives, and vice versa? I wonder how the people involved in anti-CA protests would be feeling right now. It seems that the government is not interested in talking to the protesters, but using it as a tool to further polarize communities. During India Against Corruption protests, I was one of the leaders in Israel. We got the Indian student community together and went to protest in front of the Indian consulate at Tel Aviv. 
I drafted a letter for the PM, which was delivered to the then ambassador Navtej Sarna. I guess we were close to 50 or so. We sang songs and had banners, got covered by the Jerusalem Post, and then went to have lunch at the same Indian restaurant Modi ji went to about five years later. In no minor way helped by IAC protests. I'm not sure you all at the Delhi headquarters even knew we existed, but there was a sense of optimism and confidence that the government would engage. What is the sense now? Regards, Amitabh Trehan. Well, Amitabh, uh, thank you for your support to News Laundry, first of all. Uh, I will just say about the organizations, I think that's a good idea. Maybe we should, we should just do a quick audit of which are the organizations, who runs it, and then let the people decide which one I, they want to. IWPC, Indian Women Press Club. Indian Women they are doing Club. they are doing a oh, fantastic so job and they are doing it with Harsh Mandar. So okay, this is uh, with Harsh Mandar. Uh, so uh, you may have, depending on your political ideology, but uh, IWPC, the Indian Women Press Club, is uh, doing some good work. Raman sir says, uh, regarding uh, the sense of optimism that you guys had, no, it is not there. I am quite certain this government is not going to engage engage with anyone. In fact, they don't want to discuss the riots in Parliament, and the MPs who are jumping too much about this have been suspended suspended from the Parliament. So this government won't talk, but I must say uh, that there is a general sense of kind of disappointment, even in the Delhi government, uh, how they've reacted to this. Uh, so yeah, not much optimism here, man, uh, Amitabh. And this uh, second email is... Um, and I also know about a Hindu. Yeah. Uh, he's an industrialist who is going to make, uh, you know, rebuild uh, five Muslim shops. Hmm. So we are going to do a story. So when he, hmm, he will do it, so he's going to do it this way. But I way. think he's asking about a Hindu organization. I don't know of any. I mean, there are no, NGOs. He's, a, he's are... an individual. Huh. He, he's an industrialist. So he's going to do that. And he's going to make it for Hindus also. Five Hindu jobs. I mean, I guess an organization is an organization. Uh, this should have been the job of the task of the Delhi government at least. Yeah, I mean, exactly. the center won't do it, but Delhi government the should Delhi have guy. taken the initiative. Um this is from Dheeraj. Hi all, this is with reference to Abhinandan's comment. I will give my relative a piece of my mind, tell them to fuck off, etc, etc. I was a BJP supporter all the way to CAA. I honestly had no great reason not to support them. But I changed my mind after CAA. Your technique of naming and shaming will not work. You will only strengthen their positions. If your goal is altruistic in any sense, I would suggest sending them news laundry articles and asking them to read it. Once read, ask for a critique. Five out of ten will call you as bullshit without reading the article, four of the remaining will read it, and one guy or girl will come back to you with questions, most likely outside the group. Nothing, absolutely nothing is more hurting to the egomaniac in all of us than I told you so. It's humiliating. This is where I find Kejriwal's advert ploy fantastic. I know you love Modi. Can you give me five minutes to listen to what I have done? So dude, handle with care. Think of it as a public service, as a news professional. As for the subscriber-led podcast on science, economics, are we getting anywhere? Let's do it. Yeah, dude, we are. Just give us time. There are the two other podcasts that we are just working on. Then we'll do this one. And uh, one more thing. I saw some fantastic articles by Vivek Call using Excel for visualization. There are some excellent subscription tools to show those visualizations. Considering hiring a staff is a problem both in terms of cost and quality. Trying to digitize and automate your process may be something to spend money on, including using AI for fact-checking. Thanks, Dheeraj, for your input. You know, someone else has told me that that my ploy of calling out my relatives for their bigotry with rudeness or nastiness does the opposite. No matter how offensive what they say, one should just give them an article to read and try to reason with them. I have actually abandoned that because what I've found is that when you indulge that, they think it's okay to say that. That it's an indiscretion, it is not an outrage. But it's an outrage to say what they say. 
So anyway, that is my view. Kapil, do you have any inputs on this, Anand? I'd like your views before we move on to the next subject. I had said last week that, you know, on the family groups and stuff, some of the bigotry that I encounter because they're relatives, they're aunts, they're uncles, they're cousins, you don't say anything or you at best kind of mildly disagree. Now I've started, I, I don't pull my punches. I'm really nasty. I said, you're a bigoted idiot. I'm shocked you're educated or, you know, something like that. And I've come to that because I find nothing else works. But Dheeraj says that actually is counterproductive. What do you think? What is yeah, your... I can, I can, I, I, I can understand and appreciate your, you know, your, your, you've sort of exhausted your patience with them. I can understand that. But the, 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 the ra- outrage of that kind it tends to be counterproductive. I think. But while I say that while appreciating entirely your your the exhaustion of your patience. I often want to say things like that. But, you know, because of the setup in which we function, we need people to come to our side rather than to, you know, to leave us and to scorn us and to continue to support this dispensation. There's one thing I wanted to add my voice to in that, in that discussion about history, um, because you were talking about that, if I may revisit that subject very briefly, sure. about, you know, you were talking about someone who posted a video at a very sensitive time, perhaps that was uh, unwise. But I do want to say that people who are secular in India, who who have a secular disposition, must confront sincerely and honestly the ravages of medieval India. You know how Islam arrived in India, the raising of the Hindu Buddhist heritage of India, and we must do this because our refusal to deal honestly with that past has allowed the Hindu right to weaponize that past. You know. Because we don't have a linear understanding of our history, people have become extremely susceptible to the garbage peddled by the Hindu nationalists. And in the interests of keeping India secular, in the interests of maintaining communal harmony, I think we should find a way of dealing honestly with our past, if only to encourage a mature detachment from that past. Does that make sense to you? Sure. I mean, it makes sense. I'm just trying to wonder how you would negotiate. I mean, I think that ship has sailed because now if one was to do that... It's, it we will would be an, only be giving ammunition yeah, to these yeah, people. I, 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 but, I feel that way. I, I, I agree yeah, with you. I, I think me, that is something that was missing. Although I, I would say that's very typical of us as a people and it's not unique to not revisiting, you know, the evils of the Islamic invasion. I think that is atypical because we refuse to acknowledge the evils of every anything, including our own families. Also, uh, <laughs> uh, I'd like to say... No, 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 I think the, the, the only evil, if you, if you look at Indian historiography, the way it works is it, it was a wonderful Eden, a paradise, in which everyone got along, and then the British came and destroyed everything, and then uh, you yes. know, the Indian National <laughs> Actually, Congress that's built problem. up India. Uh, that's yeah. talked to us in history two, books. And that kind of history just hasn't worked. It just hasn't worked. And I think we need... I mean, these are impossible times, and I can understand someone like you having witnessed uh, these these bigotries and their consequences from close quarters, wanting to swear at these people, wanting to, uh, you know, shower them with obscenities. But I think I can understand that, and I want to do that so many times, trust me. Um, But I think we need to persuade people, and if we ever recover, if we ever recover, and every day I wake up feeling we are moving further and further away from the prospect of recovery, but if we do recover, if secularists ever retain power, if come back to power again, I think we need to distill our past uh, in a more grown-up way, so as to prevent the rise of another, a return of another demagogue of Modi's, uh, Modi's variety. You were saying, Miraj? Uh, just to add to that, it's 
I mean, it's not been explored to the extent that it should have been. What uh, Kapil was talking about revisiting the past, there has been a lot of scholarly work done on that. But the problem is, we have reached a point right now where any scholarly work, if it doesn't align with your ideology, you reject, reject it outhand. Right. When books have been banned in this country, scholarly works have been banned in this country. Books have been burned. So when you are at that point, I I don't know what else you are supposed to do. I think we reached that point. If I I just want to say there was the the. The scholars who were who were dominant in India uh, were also quite intolerant. If you if you if you came with a perspective into Indian academia that didn't accord with, with the ruling dispensation's ideology, you really didn't find tenure in India. There was, that, there's a, there's a long history of discrimination against think, uh, yeah, I think different thinking in Indian academia. This is what we're witnessing is a very crude expression of that but it's part of the same genre. I think that's very true and I think it's very true in our industry news and Raman sir you can come I think in liberal intolerance that. is is quite uh, is quite something to behold. Absolutely. No, I think and that uh, is why liberalism in India is right now in such a crisis because they don't have they have always had a monopoly on discourse on everything and, and now uh, when they are being challenged they don't have just anything a, to offer. And not just a monopoly on discourse. I mean I, I mean if I were just to look at a news industry and I was talking to some young colleagues of ours today you know who went for interviews and you know they made some mistakes which are such obvious mistakes and clearly what they were doing is something that they see every day they see rajdeep doing it every day they see you know other anchors doing it every day and i said you know don't take your cues from these people many of whom have been friends and colleagues because the mediocrity that that kind of infested news in india because of this liberal club has given rise to an entire generation of really shit news professionals which yeah. is why the next generation of the rubika liyakats and all are even shittier matlab jab aapke masters hi deepak chaurasia aur aur sagrika ghosh ho the bar to, is so low to shagird yeah. kya niklega to i think that's absolutely true and that is and the intolerance of that of if you did not belong to the club you did not have a chance at success is something that we also need to acknowledge and in india there's no. also the added aspect of like class obviously but also the caste aspect sure. of it which makes it even worse and even more complex to negotiate yeah no even when you acknowledge history you acknowledge the fact what happened during partition how would anybody will respond to a question like this ki bhai unki unki jo purvaj aurangzeb ne ye ye kiya tha to uska retaliate kare ab kya kare how would i if you if you project history like this hmm Two civili- two war- the war between two civili- civilizational, starting from Mughals के time पे जो भी if you start if you talk like this, I mean I mean I fail to understand how how would you react yeah, to exactly that? which is which come to that which is what I think Kapil is saying had we had an honest dissection of the past it would not have come to it now but before we move on you know, to Octa- so, Octavio Paz the, right. the Nobel winning Uh, author from South America who served as a diplomat in India he wrote in light of India and in that he writes the encounter between the strictest and most extreme form of monotheism and the richest and most varied polytheism left a deep wound and how you deal with that wound if you talk about it openly we might have found a way to arrive at a mature detachment from our past because we didn't talk about it openly because you know we obscured it with the densest possible prose you pick up a book by one of our historians it's marginally preferable to having the enamel peel from your teeth try reading that prose mm-hmm. you know because it was obscured by that kind of dense prose because we never had a linear understanding of our past people have become susceptible 
to the drivel pumped out by the Hindu nationalists. They say things like, you know, the, the, the Maharaja Ranjit Singh defeated this guy, you know, Akbar was defeated. People are susceptible to that, are susceptible sure. to that nonsense, precisely because our educational system didn't school them properly. So, uh, yeah, before I move on to coronavirus, uh, Anand, you want to weigh in on all the things on the mails and whatever we discussed? No, no. Lost what one? Kapil has, uh, was saying, I have been saying for the uh, uh, last few years, there is an institutionalized common sense in India through in schools, universities and academia. And that common sense has been imparted by dominance of left liberals in textbook writing and a kind of intolerance. And that has also given rise to a kind of good test, the good test consensus about cinema, literature, um, media, and even ideology, where a young generation uh, somehow concealed its mediocrity just by aligning with that metropolitan good sense about something a good test about something and uh, that was a second uh, a brief point about uh, the police uh, uh, that I missed uh, is that uh, there are two things uh, uh, that uh, about police statesmanship and uh, being a coercive uh, you have to acknowledge that police is a coercive organ and its primary duty is law enforcement if it is not efficient in it your first duty is to enforce law, whether it's a mob or gathering on a street or enforce law, enforce uh, the judicial orders and this. If you are inefficient in that, what you were perhaps Avinandan was pointing to that, that you lose also the respect. If you don't enforce law, you also lose the uh, fear for the stick that should uh, that is in your hand. So. The if the primary failure of the police, uh, I would not say is in statesmanship that comes later. But your primary role as a law enforcer, enforcer that the Delhi police failed over the last two three months. Just uh, uh, the immediate region of it may be suspect. Just a factual correction that uh, in his farewell speech, Justin Murli Dharan, or if it is that his name, he, he, he said, in, according to a report in Times of India, that he was informed of his transfer order on uh, February 15th or 16th. That is uh, 10 days before these riots took place. Yeah, yeah. No, no. in fact, not just 15th or 16th, the transfer orders had been issued on the 12th. 12th, yeah. The, but uh, when it's executed, for example, the execution of you go today or you go on mm. such and such day was not issued and this happens often like for example the new FDI policy has been announced by Piyush Goel two months ago when is it notified when is it executed we still don't know from what day similarly the transfer was approved on the 10th or the 12th of February but the day that he made that so it could happen in Feb it could happen in March but it would too happen at 11 o'clock mm. at night is when the transfer was and in fact Justice Lokur was on television saying the other day that this has never happened before the history of any court because you are hearing a case. I mean, there may be a judgment you're working on that how can you be told that evening tomorrow you're going there? And he says, a justice has to be sworn in. So what would Murli Dhar go? He'd go to Haryana or Punjab and say, okay, here I am. You can't give me a case because I haven't been sworn in yet. So what? No, that's S the thing. Whenever these letters are issued, there's always 
that you will join from such and such, such date. date. In correct. this case, it was not. So the implication was it's immediate. Yeah. So well, no. In eleven, I think it's 9th. safe to assume. Hmm. I think it's safe to assume that had he not heard that petition, he would still be in Delhi. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's yeah. Now before we move on, you know, the amount of time and effort it takes to report, uh, you should really speak to a reporter friend. And the amount of compromises the media is doing is truly alarming. There was a piece today, in fact, where Abhinav Kumar wrote in the Indian Express, who is usually really bad for the police, has said how every institution has failed in this riot or whatever it was that happened in Delhi, including the media. And you know why that is? Because the media depends on either government ads or large corporations. And large corporations are scared of the government because they can shut a corporation like that. So they will advertise what is, you know, in favor of the overwhelming narrative. So unless you pay to keep news free, you can keep whining about how bad news is, this, that, and the other. Nothing's going to happen. But you can change the narrative if you want of how news is reported. Ground reports are the soul of news, not shouting matches. So I would urge you to pay to keep news free. Go to newslawny.com, click on the subscribe button, because when the public pays, the public is served. And for those of you who already subscribe, thank you guys so much. You can please urge and nudge your friends to do the same. And like I mentioned in the beginning, we are setting up WhatsApp group, which are region, country, and area, and city-wise, so that we can plan our events better. Do send us your contact number if you want to be added onto the group and the city or the country, because uh, we are going to have groups along these cities and regions right now and going forward maybe more. Delhi NCR, Mumbai, Bangalore, Pune, Hyderabad. And for overseas, we have groups which are Europe, US, Canada, Singapore, and Dubai. And why we need you to add your names is because judging by the size of the subscription group in every city or region, we will plan our events. And like I said, we plan a lot of events. We're planning many events over the next couple of years. And this year for sure. So now I'd just like to move on to the coronavirus, which has become a huge news story. Uh, this morning it was on CNN, on BBC. It was on all our Desi channels who for a change were not doing Hindu Muslim, Hindu Muslim. So a couple of things that were revelation to me. One is that, I mean, I'm not saying that one shouldn't be careful or shouldn't, you know, but the overall, uh, the percentage of people who die as a, you know, from the total who get infected is like fatality 2%. Fatality the fatality It's 2% out 2%. of which uh, the fatality, if you are between 20 to 50, is like 1.1%, not even 0.9%. If you are between like 10 and 20, it's like 0.2%. And if you're above 60, then it's like 8%. Mm. So the like, so the, I mean, the, it is for a young person, it is very low, the fatality mm -hmm. rate. And that actually was not what I had got from what I had heard that, you know, uh, you know, it seems a lot more alarming, but when you actually see the age wise breakup of fatality for a young fit person, this is like a flu which flu. goes. It comes and that's goes. what it's like a flu. So the any other flu which doesn't have a medicine right now. Whose immune system is weak, which is the old and the very young, they are more susceptible to it. So if you have a decent immune system, if you are healthy, so you should be able to survive it. But that's not the that is not the only factor. I mean, fatality rate is two percent doesn't mean only those people will die. In a sure. country like India, without any proper healthcare system, right. you're asking for a disaster. Right. Even if you have been Tested positive so far in India, out yeah. of which 15 are Italian tourists yeah. who are in Delhi. So I've, I've been saying this, India got so incredibly lucky because the first three cases that came before this became a panic came to Kerala. 
if you want a disaster i mean i shouldn't say this but that's the place where you want because they be. control sars so well sars back, back and nipa the... they have the health infrastructure Absolutely they have the more importantly they have the political will will and the Discipline. civic consciousness hmm. to deal with th- these things and they if, make less noise if also. this thing had come to say like north india Khattar. anywhere in north india khatter had been presiding before over this before they started screening and all these things mm. i dread to imagine what would have happened no, in fact, you know kerala's the... controlling of sars and mars was considered one of the best in the world not just in india even, you, even nipa do you like, know who the health minister is Where? in kerala who a lady but oh, it's a lady no. sujata uh, she is. fabulous uh, mm. person unassuming mm. and yeah, she is the one who has been and she did the sars thing right. i read her interview at that time In fact, Dhania tweeted that she's an amazing, amazing. like uh, minister. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, if I could just come to Anand and then Kapil, you can tell me what the situation in UK is and how big a deal is it. I mean, up up people like in America, there are many cities where toilet paper has gone out of stock, hand wash has gone out of stock. You know, the cliches uh, Anand of of Bihar being like the worst governed state in the country, which in fact I conduct I did a quiz. Uh, on a lot of uh, metrics uh, bihar is actually better than other states who you think would be better off so that is actually a mindset that needs to be corrected it's on this quiz show that govin this organization is doing but um, is it a big deal let's say in patna uh, like in delhi everyone is talking about this virus only corona virus but is that just a delhi thing is it just delhi hyderabad bombay or is it a thing even you know in patna no uh, it is uh, to an extent because uh, bihar ses border with nepal and there is high alert on indo nepal border so uh, and uh, the number of people uh, wearing the mask i they they must not be in uh, very high when you compare with uh, metropolitan cities but still there is a a uh, kind of uh, precaution if not uh, a lot of uh, means uh, how it has not uh, acquired uh, proportions of a horror or some kind but um, it i think when it, it, the psyche is that uh, people who don't like to wear uh, say um, helmet for their daily um, uh, commute or uh, or if you uh, say say them a few words of precaution about other things they would ignore but uh, this uh, all the talk about that all the talk huh. about the common wisdom on this people wisdom. are obeying yeah <laughs> true huh? yeah no you're right on this people are obeying yeah huh. so uh, if it has such means um, it is i'm not downplaying the dangers but there is also this whipping of a kind of uh, say hysteria means a kind of uh, i am not uh, getting proper word for it maybe i may we making a mistake of downplaying it i am just trying to balance it but uh, i think the media wisdom the national projection of a, a kind of international horror now that has percolated to even um, say smaller towns and uh, th- there is a, a kind of uh, precautionary reaction to it yes Yeah what's it like in the the UK Kapil Well there have been about 150 cases and yesterday there was one death a woman with underlying conditions died 
And the tragedy as it unfolds is also revealing the consequences of cuts to healthcare. You know, hmm. uh, Britain has shed about 160,000 hospital beds uh, over the past three, past four decades, actually. So now this country has one of the lowest per capita beds, hospital beds, fewest hospital beds across Europe. And if this crisis escalates, uh, you will see hospitals clogged up, uh, fewer doctors, uh, very few resources to deal with the problem. I, I do not, I, I do not have expertise in Corona, and I don't like to say what people should and shouldn't do. And I just think, you know, I, I don't like to dispense advice on this, and I've just stayed very mum on it. But what this reveals, really, the underlying, you know, the where, when nations aren't prepared, when they make cuts to essential services. Essential services exist for a reason, and when they make cuts to them when the sun is shining, they inevitably pay for it when the sun goes down. And that's what we're witnessing here. And India, you, met, you just mentioned Kerala, and the health minister's name is Shailaja. Uh, she's quite brilliant. Right. But uh, in other parts of India, in Telangana, where I'm from, they're distributing homeopathic pills. You know, this, and, and I... I uh, I really worry about the the consequences if this begins to spread in India. Right. Um, I, you know, had this professor, um, he was a teacher in school, Simon Singh. He's, a, I think, he. I mean, he's a scientist. I don't know whether he's a teacher in London. Yeah. He, he won a case against some homeopathy group where he had written a piece in, I think, The Independent. Um, in, in The Guardian, I think. In The yeah, Guardian, was, about was, how homeopathy yeah. is pseudoscience. A brilliant and they, science writer, yeah. So uh, he taught me English in class eight. So oh, when, wow. I, right. when I saw him, and he had written that book, I think Fermat's Last Theorem or one of those books, I'm not sure which one he wrote. Uh, so yeah, so uh, homeopathy reminded me of that. But uh, I, I think it's alarming that such things are said. I think there are some BJP MLAs and MPs who said that Adab, Biduri, our Delhi MP said in parliament that Adab karne se ho jata hai. So even he's connecting this to, I guess, some sort of Muslim kind of... But, uh, you know, speaking up, you said... Of you know, expert... what's funny, I, I mean, you're saying these people are connecting it to the Muslim. Um, I mean, there, there is a joke. I, I have some Iranian friends, they joke that in Iran, where this is this has really become a crisis, they joke that Iranians blame Israelis for having created this, weaponized this uh, virus and uh, sent it across to Iran. But it's actually the Israelis who've come very close to creating a vaccine for it. And and the joke in Iran right now is that, you know, they want Japanese tourists to come to Iran, Japanese and Chinese tourists to come to Iran and go to the main mosque in in Tehran and pray there because that's where the Ayatollah goes to pray. <laughs> this, this xenophobia, it's everywhere. I mean, today itself, there's been, I think, some attack or harassment of two girls China. from northeast uh, yeah. in delhi itself they yeah. no, said in you fact, brought the coronavirus one in. chinese guy was attacked here in india one was attacked in britain and uh, someone tweeted out that i mean bashing him up you're ensuring physical contact if you want to be racist <laughs> run the other side you know how dumb is that but you know when kapil said about i it's not my area of expertise so i won't give advice you know i was i have recently started saying yes to these television debates that for the last two years i then we used to attend. Why I'm doing that is a something I mentioned in the Hafta and we shall be doing a vote with our subscribers to decide whether I should continue to go or not. But a few days ago when I didn't go, I got a, like, when I got to office, there was already a message saying that, uh, you know, will you come tonight at 8 o'clock uh, for a 
discussion. So I said, what's the subject? They said, we'll tell you at two. <laughs> I said, how the fuck do you know that I'm the right guy to talk about it? <laughs> you see, it's the panels. I'm like, it could be anything because I can string a sentence together and I can, you know, bullshit about anything like my... <laughs> that awful and awesome podcast where I pillow gyan about all sorts of fuck all stuff. <laughs> like, I was like, dude, can you imagine every panelist like that is some duffer like me who got him, will you come tonight? Achha, am I doing dinner outside? No. Am I doing, okay, I'll sit on your panel and chill and what we talk about, that we'll figure out later. I and mean, the whole fucking country listens to that and they said, now we'll do analysis. Like, what the fuck analysis is that? It's just a circus. I mean, they need a dozen people <laughs> to play different parts and that's what it is. But what uh, Kapil said about cuts in the UK, I mean, they still... I, I, I'm not, like he said, I'm no expert, but they still have, apparently, from what I read, they have a decent healthcare system. In India, yeah. that's not the case. In most of the states, in especially in North India, you have a, like in UP last year, a year before, hundred and more than 100 children died in a hospital and nobody was held accountable except the person who actually tried to help. No, I yeah. don't. Uh, I, I mean, I know people who have been to uh, London Mm. Britain. So, so for the outsiders, the system is not so friendly. So, like the Italians have been rehabilitated so easily here, are and and the people who are covering health uh, in Delhi, I mean, I mean in, uh, in the media, they say that our system is far far better than. No, uh, no, I'm saying. Britain. Imagine if it happens on, handling, a, on a on a scale that it happened sure. in China, for uh, example, it uh, spreads uh, at that scale. The I mean, you don't have just don't have the healthcare yeah, system sure. to tackle all here that. Yeah, it would be huge, but. Yeah. But I think so far, let us give it to them. They are handling it pretty so well. So far, it's not bad. In fact, yeah, yes. I'm quite impressed with yes. uh, the scale. But I let's am. see as, as to where. Kapil, uh, uh, you know, I think an hour is over. Uh, do you need to go now? Is is Can you stay? No, I've just I've just got a message. I can stay for another 15 minutes if oh. you'd like me to. Yes, please. That would be great. So uh, I just have a couple of other emails. And after that, I'd just like to move on to the issue, uh, which Mehraj will put the context for of seven or eight MPs seven. Uh, being uh, suspended. But before that, here this email is from Prakhar. Hi Abhinandan, I'm a subscriber of News Laundry. I follow most of News Laundry's content on NL Hafta, awful awesome reporters or orders, tippany and nuisance, and I appreciate all of it. Here is something I find off-putting on episode 256 of the NL Hafta, while discussing the role of Delhi police in the riots, you used a lot of cuss words to vent your frustration. Going by the reports of what police has been up to in many months, like the recent Delhi violence or Jamia or the inability to crack down on JNU, it is natural to get irritated. However, it was totally off-putting to hear you using Chutia for them on a podcast. Your anger towards the police is justified, but using a cuss word on a podcast brings down the editorial value of the content. NL Hafta is one of the best podcasts of News Laundry and using abusive language on a quality show doesn't sound right. There have been few other podcasts as well you, where you have been heard using cuss words. <laughs> Request you please tone down the coarse language like many other recommendations from our subscribers and listeners. You may choose to disagree and I shall be fine with it. Everything else that comes out from News Laundry is great. My best to the entire team. Regards, Prakhar. Prakhar, uh, I apologize. You know, this has been an ongoing tussle between various people within News Laundry and our subscribers who often write. I just talk here like I talk normally, but you're right. Sometimes I think I go too far. So maybe um, a good compromise is that so I don't cramp my style, I continue to do that. But our wonderful producer, Ivneet, can either cut them out or beep them out while she edits. So that's a compromise, I guess. Uh, this other email is from Sandeep. He says, I have been an on and off News Laundry subscriber for a while. Hope this, this time I'll stick around for longer. The banter of Hafta makes it an ideal podcast to listen to. For someone braving the unforgiving Minnesota winter, Hafta makes for a perfect gateway from solitude. 
This is in reference to free speech argument on Hafta 264. Wishful thinking, but do you believe India will ever see a regime which may consider absolute freedom of speech as part of their political agenda? Hard to imagine this as long as religion stays in the forefront of our political discourse. I understand there is hardly any incentive for the current crop of political parties in pushing this. In times when a party like AAP is compelled to chant Hanuman Chalisa, it's puerile to expect this from BJP or Congress. I know it's foolish to draw parallels, to draw parallels, but for a 70-odd-year-old democracy that we rave about, shouldn't take this long for something the U.S. was able to lay out 200 years ago. Even if this were to happen, is the Indian democracy and the public at large mature enough to sustain and nurture a policy to this effect, with the majoritarian electorate where a Twitter post, where you are a Twitter post away from a riot? I wonder what the cost would be. It is also because we are more political than most other nations. Sorry, that's a question. For instance, although the U.S. political scene too is polarized, I don't see politics being an overarching part of drawing room conversation with the general public. Of course, the U.S. doesn't have the kind of problems we do, and probably doesn't warrant the kind of civil discourse that India needs. But it's utterly shocking to see a substantial part of the electorate justify and condone arrests of individuals exercising their free speech. It's probably more of self-introspection that can address this. Would love to hear the panel's thoughts. So before uh, you, we come to you uh, on this parliament issue, I just like the panel to talk about what Sandeep said. Uh, do you agree, Anand, with his views on freedom of speech that a we haven't been able to come up with this as a priority after seventy years, and b even if we were, we are not mature enough to sustain it as a policy? No, at individual level, I agree, and I have no problem with freedom of speech and. Uh, you see even on social media if someone abuses me or someone has very harsh things to say i there is always option of not replying and uh, i am in favor of let you said your thing i said my thing okay that's okay but that is an individual understanding and it would be selfish of me to think that as a society everyone thinks so there could be it's particularly in complex societies like india um, the reasonable restrictions are uh, are a valid part of the social order the problem is it uh, lies in how you define those reasonable restrictions and there things can get a bit arbitrary sometimes uh, because of the very nature of the definition of reasonableness so what is reasonable what is not now that that is a very contentious thing and i think uh, more thought needs to go into that yes kapil you have a view on that email that india a has not come up with this as a priority and b even if we were to come up with a freedom of speech law we can't sustain it in this in this context well freedom of speech i tend to believe should be absolute but obviously in the indian context it cannot be because if someone's going and inciting a mob saying you know shoot the traitors that he, that person is theoretically exercising his or her freedom of speech but the consequences of that are so grave that that speech has to be censored or curtailed or qualified in some way i can understand that but but i'm absolutely comfortable with someone like you swearing i'm absolutely comfortable you know citizenship is an advanced idea it requires us to tolerate somebody who is advocating uh with all his or her strength everything that you and i disagree with and yet we tolerate and protect that person's right to say that that is a very challenging thing for anyone and but that is the that is citizenship 
I more than you know, I expect coarse language. I expect bullying language from the right. But what I worry more these days is about the censoriousness of the left, of the you know the demands, the pylons, the demands to shut down people they don't like, the demands to cancel human beings, the refusal to look at two sides of the same equation. You know, because that to me seems to be a complete betrayal of what the left claims to stand for. And that troubles me more than what I expect that sort of behavior from the right. But from the left, I think the mobs on the left worry me a lot more. You know, the the the, the, the imposition yeah. of, of correct thinking on people. That troubles mm-hmm. me a great deal more. Right. Uh, now, uh, I let's think. Yeah. Uh, sorry, can I just wait? Sure, sure. So it's an ideal phrase. Freedom of speech is an ideal and we should aspire to it, value to it. But I agree with Kapil in the context of India, you absolutely need some restrictions. The caste system and communalism is so deep-rooted and it has created a situation where even day-to-day language is used to dehumanize people. That's that's like a really scary situation. But obviously the problem then is who decides those restrictions. Right. So that is the discussion we need to have now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, that America could build its edifice on one big injustice and wiping out any cultural context by wiping out the Native American. Because then everyone is flat. And they literally could start on a flat, you know, level playing field. But, uh, yeah, in India, it's a lot harder. Also, another point, he's talking about religion, as long as religion is there. But it's not restricted to religion. Like I said, there's a caste system also. And also, I mean, there's nationalism. Nationalism is the new religion. And it's a power dynamic. Yeah, it's exactly, basically, yeah. And that power dynamic is to do with caste. It's to do with all sorts of privileges. But, uh, yeah, meanwhile, so let's talk about a discourse, uh, a level playing field which the parliament should be. <laughs> now, the context is someone wants a debate, someone wants it after holy, what, what's the deal? So what happened is, uh, when the session started in the morning today... The parliament the, session. Yes, the Congress MPs asked that before we take up any other business, we should discuss the Delhi violence because that's the most immediate issue. The BJP obviously didn't agree. So there was commotion and people went into the well of the house and protested. And in that din, some Congress MPs, they took uh, some documents of the Speaker's desk, threw them away or whatever. Right. And for that, seven of them have been suspended. That means they can't attend parliament. Until the end of the session, not for like usually what happens is they're suspended for a day or two or three days. This is for the end of the session, which is a a long time. Now there's the blame game. So the BJP is saying that before the session started, the speakers and the opposition parties had sat together and they decided that we'll maintain decorum. So even if there is hangama in parliament, your side won't encroach on our side. You'll stay on your lane, we'll stay on our lane. Hmm. But they sort of went back, they betrayed that that, uh, promise. The Congress is saying, the BJP had also made a promise that when there is disruption in the House, they won't try to pass a bill. They tried to do just that. In fact, when this was happening, they tried to pass a minerals amendment bill at at that very time. Right. So now it's like, whose version you want to believe? No, but uh, wasn't uh, the immediate trigger uh, was a comment on Sonia by Mm. a BJP MP? No, 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 no. The BJP MP he had said that Rahul Gandhi had gone to uh, Italy uh, and he has come back. He hasn't declared it. He might have so coronavirus. So after that, it's through the... He might have paper. gone? He, he had gone to... Uh, so he might okay. have contracted coronavirus. Achha, okay. So Why did he declare it? through the papers. I see. So that is what has happened. So now... Uh, so I saw a brute video today uh, which the title was There is one parliament discussing the Delhi violence and it is not the Indian parliament. It's the British parliament where it was discussed. I just find, and this, we'll just come to the response. 
this is what i find truly worrying which is why i don't have the optimism that was being discussed in the first letter uh, email i think this government is so certain about what they want to do that there is zero acknowledgement or respect for institutions i generally believe and again uh, you know dheera just say that i told you so is a very bad way of saying it what i had said in fact kiske sath tha ya deepak chorasia ke sath interview he says jo main bol raha hu sach aayega maine kaha jo maine 5 saal pehle bola tha wo sach aane laga hai tum tumhara bhi dekhenge i don't think and 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 at risk of sounding uh, very um, the same elitist attitude i think modi and his motley crews lack of uh, respecting institutions and democracy as a philosophy doesn't come from so much from malice as it comes from ignorance and not having read anything in their lives i genuinely believe that they don't understand why it's important they believe this is eff- efficient to go about running a democracy like this and i think that's truly worrying and trust me by the time the f- this this term is over we've already considered it normal to have omar abdullah in prison for 7 months like just like that for the fuck of it 50 people die and the prime minister has not done one monkey bath he has not issued one thing please stop fighting can you imagine in your capital in the city you live in 50 people have killed each other and you have not come once in a spot and said please people stop fighting i mean i'm amazed that we don't even expect that and here i would put the blame squarely on the media if every night they would been shouting pm say something he would have had to say something mm. for him to not and the spots today that are there on all the radios are about coronavirus fine great what to do what not to do both the central government and the state government over the last 3 days there has been a flood of this new spot on uh, all the stuff empowering women triple talaq humne band kar diya humne aurton ko loan de diye mm-hmm. it is a, a up to women's day it's carpet bombed but there is not one spot that don't fucking kill each other and again i it doesn't come i think so much out of malice it is what happens when you have an ignoramus running a big country yeah but i think there's another aspect to it which is that usually in a democracy when you draw power you draw power from the institutional compromises you are in this institution this institution so you compromise and you draw power from that this bunch of people don't do it that way they draw their power directly from a constituency which they know is loyal to them and because there's lots of reasons for that because the opposition has been totally decimated and discredited not just decimated discredited so their power comes from that so they don't rely on institutions to they use them as tools but they don't rely on them to draw their power from so i think that's also part of it raman you have something to say to this no about the parliament not being used to discuss the delhi violence should sh- is that a fair expectation or are we being too pseudo secular that's that 53 the, that's people the, have died that's the only thing that you should be discussing in parliament i mean as and when it begins so so the moment it, and it's not that uh, the opposition is asking for it it's the country the nation wants to know mm. Uh, you know the kind of situation <laughs> so so we i mean uh, it was expected and they are i mean also uh, prime minister had spoken 3 days after after the everything was over then he said ki shant ho jao teen din ke baad uska aaya hamare cm saab wo bhi he wasn't certain in his voice he is hmm. his uh, one thing is police to mere paas hai nahi hmm. so he will just uh, pass on the blame and uh, mm. he is trying to it seems he is trying to appropriate 
Uh, the yeah, you know, I, I'm a little disappointed because even I thought that even though in the initial time it's not a good time to get in, and but now enough time has passed. I think now up should get aggressive and bloody attack the BJP. Yes. The fact that they're not even doing it now is disappointing, unless they think that there's going to be more violence. No, I think I think there's a subtle change, uh, you know, in. Uh, केजरीवाल अप्रोच ये ज्यादा ही नहीं हो गया सर अभी पहले तो मतलब बात बात पे सड़क पे उतर जाते हैं अब इतना कुछ हो गया नो नो आई थिंक आई थिंक ही इज ही इज जस्ट लुकिंग ही इज एक्सपेरिमेंटिंग एंड इज ट्राइंग टू सी हाउ ही कैन टेक ऑन मोदी सो ही आई थिंक इज अप्रोप्रिएटिंग बैडली प्लेड बिकॉज इफ ही सेंग दैट ओके मी बिकमिंग कॉम्बैटिव ऑन एवरी इशू डिड नॉट वर्क सो नाउ लेट मी चूज वट आई शुड बी कॉम्बैटिव ऑन but now if he isn't combative on this tomorrow if he gets combative on some other issue you can say are 50 log mar gaye the tune combat nahi kiya ab bijli pani pe kya kar rahe you see the yeah. this is as bad as it could have got no also this uh, police version and me it's kind of wearing thing so i had an interview with kanan gopinath the other day who was a former bureaucrat he left after the kashmir thing so he was telling me so i we were discussing this and he says the bureaucracy that's within the under the delhi government they could have done so much so much more if they just wanted to do it but they just sat back they didn't do anything right there was so much they could have done but they didn't yeah so anand on this issue of the parliament not sitting you think it is a justifiable zid ki bhai yahi discuss karo aur kuch mat karo or do you think it's okay to say ki holi ke baad yes um, i think the postponement uh, would be thought out that is my conjecture anyway when the narrative on it has cooled down and uh, there is more uh say hindsight to look back back at it and narrative control uh, that is what all political parties aspire for and it would be a false equivalence to draw a precedent for it uh, because uh, the nature of violence in in these both two incidents was very different but uh, after 1984 when the parliament uh, anti sikh riots so when not right it was uh, different in the sense that it was that was a pogrom uh, kind uh, it was one sided the 1984 one yes. so what uh, now when the parliament met they passed a resolution against the 1984 bhopal gas trade tragedy but they didn't pass a uh, resolution against the uh, anti sikh violence in delhi Uh, that was a time when there was not so much proliferation of media doordarshan air and newspapers now what if a parliament discussed or passed a resolution on something they just didn't want to make it a headline even if it was months later i think they said in december the uh, the violence was in november uh, so even a month had passed or it december or january two months had passed so uh, then also uh, the objective was the same that and the narrative control so i think the same logic is there that postpone it i i think they would discuss it uh, but they want a cooling of phage yes what is your view kapil well obviously the 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 most disturbing thing about it is that the speaker Umbirla has accepted the government's recommendation to look into potentially disqualifying these MPs and parliament is the most important institution it is the elected sovereign of the indian people and if it is reduced to a rubber stamp as it was during indira gandhi's reign then on this occasion i think it cannot bounce back parliament should be a forum 
for discussion and debate. And if the city, if the capital city, is on fire for three days and the government doesn't want to discuss it, it is understandable that the MPs would want to create ruckus. Obviously, there's a theatrical element to it. There's a performative element to it. Congress, you know, all 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 parties have done this for, for years. But I think Parliament's stature has diminished to a point that would be very difficult to, re- to revive it. Uh, and this ought to worry us more than virtually anything, because the prime minister has a parliamentary majority, so he uses that to rubber stamp anything he wants to do. Whatever he wants to do, parliament is willing to do it. There is absolutely no dissent within his party. You know, one of the great tragedies of uh, this this prime minister, this government, is the congressization of the BJP. You know, the BJP used to be a democratic party. It's become like Congress. Whatever the high command wants, everyone else just goes with it. And that and Parliament is now carrying out the orders of the Prime Minister and the Speaker, who is who ought to be independent. We don't we know for a fact that, you know, a succession of speakers haven't been independent. But, you know, this level of kowtowing to the executive is really quite dangerous uh, going forward. Yeah. Just a side note regarding the speaker. So his profile on the Lok Sabha website is a report the other day. So his earlier profile, it mentioned that he was he played a part in the demolition of the Ram Mandir. And of the and, Ayodhya Mosque. Yeah. Hmm. Ayodhya Mosque. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Hmm. The, where the Ram Temple is now being built. And he was a part of the he is a part of the RSS. Hmm. They, have, they have scrubbed that from the website. Suddenly. Uh, now, now, the thing is, again, this is equivalent to destroying files. You cannot, like, for example, when Trump was tweeting from the, you know, US president's Twitter handle, there was some discussion of if he deletes that tweet, he cannot delete, because that's not his property. That's official record, what, yeah. That's official record, mm. so that's equivalent to destroying a file. That in India, you can do this and get away with it is a... It's, is a Basically, it just shows where we are when it comes to institutions. And the most efficient way of destroying files in India is which is happening like regularly now. Aag lag gai. Aag lag gai. Oh, toh regularly lag. Jab bhi sarkar change hoti hai. Okay, so before you go, Kapil, you have a recommendation that you think could enrich the lives of our listeners. It could be an article, a film or a movie or or a show. The film I would recommend, the film that really, really moved me this year is Uncut Gems. Okay. Uh, it stars Adam Sandler. That's a film I would very highly recommend to people, anyone interested. Uh, another film is Hey Ram, which really describes, which really beautifully depicts uh, the rise of Hindu nationalism and the causes of Hindu nationalism. And a novel I'd recommend, if you want me to recommend, is The Last Hundred Days by Patrick McGuinness about the last hundred days of Nicolae Ceausescu's regime in Romania. And that might be very, very relevant and interesting to Indian readers. It's a novel, but it's one of the most beautifully written novels I've read in the past decade. All right. Thanks, Kapil. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for your time. Appreciate Thank you so much. it. Cheers, guys. Good luck. Bye. All right. Bye. Okay. So we will just read two more emails and take last comments from our panel, and then we can also wind up. This email is from Pallav. Hi, Team Hafta. I have been an on and off NL subscriber since 2014. Wow, Pallav. Thanks, bro. You've been a subscriber for a long time. I'm writing this mail from Perth, Australia. I'm writing it in the aftermath of Delhi riots. Since these events took place just after Delhi elections, so it won't be wrong to say that these were the result of a build-up. Provocative speeches and abuses happened during election. AAP realized prior to elections that they need to toe soft Hindutva line. They gave enough signals during election campaign. For example, the visit to the Valmiki Mandir, Hanuman Mandir, or as Manisha said, planting Hanuman Chalisa and TV interview. Even post-election, Sada Bhardwaj was tasked to keep it alive. Everybody would be quick to jump in and start blaming the BJP, but AAP played equally important part in the build-up. Where would this leave AAP now? Please comment. Regards, Pallav. So, um, let me start with um, 
Anand, what is your view of Pallav's mail and where do you think this leaves up? And A, do you think it's accurate, Pallav's diagnosis? I am not in favor of uh, having a very concrete causal relationship rega with regards to any riot because establishment of cause and effect relationship in a riot is a matter of far deeper investigation rather than very, say, knee-jerk reaction or say that this was the real cause of the riots. So uh, I would... Uh, want to look back at these riots, uh, say, six months later, eight months later. So uh, just a set of factors led to this. Uh, I am not in favor of passing those judgments. Second is that uh, we have discussed it, perhaps the second part is that uh, why uh, the... Where does this leave why up? No, it leaves up where it was. It's a, a strong regional force now in a... And then uh, in Delhi, it's a, a regional challenger to uh, other political players in the capital. Uh, the other players are national parties, it is, and it is the party in power. It's a regional force, like BJP uh, is being challenged, at, like Congress was in, challenged in 1970s. Its uh, powerful position was challenged by uh, uh, the regional players. Same. Up is same, and this uh, a show of religiosity or or the political version of Hindutva. Now uh, we have discussed it many times. I would uh, again just uh, sum up in two lines that the the protocol of non-believers imposed on a society which is teeming with millions uh, of believers was always an inaccurate. Uh, thing to go about means uh, how do you uh, interpret a political culture which has been very cagey about it and the religious electorate that it caters to now it had an air of uh, lack of authenticity sometimes it would uh, go into background some in times it will come to forefront so i don't uh, see it as a very major problem yes i see um Gentlemen, you have views on this? I think the question I would ask rather than where does this leave up now is what does AAP represent now? I mean, before, before the, during the campaign, we discussed this about whether they, it was a strategic uh, mistake that they were not taking on the BJP or Shaheen Bagh and stuff, mm. and we disagreed. But now in retrospect, I mean, that's the thing. If you don't stand up for a principle, they'll just steamroll over you. Then you if you don't push back, I mean, you give them an inch, like they say, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. That's what the BJP has exactly done here. And now the, the that moral appeal that AAP had, other than its competence as a regional party, which was interested in governance, on the uh, grassroots governance, that appeal is gone, I think. I mean... You never know. It's a right. it's a long time in politics. Like they sure. say, a week is a long time in politics. Maybe they'll be able to rehabilitate their image. Maybe it'll go some other way. But as of now, as of this moment, AAP has lost that moral appeal, which I think they alone in all the region among all the regional parties had until this point. Sir, in the past 30, 33 years, I mean, I'm into this profession and I have seen all the riots that have taken place. To say that deep investigations happen and the then the narrative comes out. No it's never narrative happened. has ever come out, hmm. whether it was a, a riot in Bombay, 92-93, hmm. hmm. or a riot uh, in 1984, hmm. the Sikh riots. 
you tell me what kind of narrative uh, i mean you have two to two or three judicial rangnath mishra and all two three judicial commissions you had the police so i don't think this is a very bureaucratic line that we will understand later when uh, you know i think uh, in this uh, we are lucky because we have this whatsapp and we videos have, right. uh, we have that's the, the, new now that's, that's new. a new technology this is giving us a better understanding of uh, you know of a right how it has been happening so i think i think if we just see with our naked eyes we will be able to interpret it even now a b the app i think the, there are two things uh, about app the first is whether they were the reason that this uh, right has happened no i don't think so what was their reaction after the right happened yes this is where i think app is to be blamed they have not reacted fully they are into their own uh, ideological war they are just trying to project themselves differently on the political landscape so in in, in they are into that mold and then this riot happened and they didn't know how to react to it but yes they are giving uh, the facilities now the medical facilities and all but they reacted very late on this riot pickan ramansar's point about the videos and stuff like in earlier cases such cases after 10 years 5 mm. years you had these reports coming out which said okay this happened this happened even after that 84 happened more than mm. 35 years ago hashimpura gujarat practically nobody has been held accountable nobody has been punished yet here you have actual evidence mm. on camera and still the mm. wider consensus is nothing is going to happen to any of those people so that yeah. shows how far this country has come where i mean even this is not i think there is nobody is moved even by this but i think on that we had moved forward but we moved back again i remember there's this very cynical friend of mine now who's by the way a uh, very prominent and aggressive far hindu right ideologue who, who roars on television and uh, when uh, this uh, guy who had shot jessica lal what's his name um, oh, manu sharma manu sharma when that happened i remember we were aghast so he just sat back and said kuch nahi hoga aise i said what are you saying party mein isne mara it's not a hindi film ki kuch nahi hoga aise he says dekh lena kuch nahi hoga and sure enough every you know uh, guy turned hostile kya kehte hain every witness. witness and only when the media pressure happened the file was reopened right and then he went to prison but the media pressure is what that was one time when the media pressure worked sanjeev nanda also ran down everybody all those cops and he all victims uh, uh, all guys turned hostile uh, witnesses but again media pressure worked so media pressure used to work now what's happened is that the media is justifying police action saying that see this video where police guys ah. being dragged therefore it's okay for police to take help of hindu mobs that is the big change yeah they're excusing if not actively supporting yeah, the right so it's gone uh, so uh, which know, reminds me sorry i mean this is like just i uh, remember so they were showing these videos showing there's this uh, acid in polythene bags yeah i saw what kind of an acid is that <laughs> which can which stand polythene yeah so Uh, does nobody even ask like in a studio okay uh, what kind of a acid is that which you can hold in a polythene bag so this uh, this so pallav two things one is i think one thing that i uh, always do disagree with is the all sides are to blame i think when it comes to the build up of the riot i don't believe there's anything as soft hindutva we've discussed this in hafta last time i think the expectation that you will not show any religiosity is a uh, unrealistic expectation and i don't i've never had that i don't believe uh, obama is believes in god but he went down that way i think most of our leaders don't believe in god 
they are atheists, but they cannot say we don't believe in God. So that is a given. So I won't say because someone recited Hanuman Chalisa, he is responsible for the riots as much as someone who said Goli Maro Salonko. <laughs> I think this is something one should actively stay away from because then when you make everything racism or everything, then nothing is racism. If my cracking a Sardarji joke is racism and so is killing someone for being of a different race, then one has already lost any kind of making context or sense of it. But when it comes to the response, I will say, where does this leave up now? I think AAP has to very aggressively come out because if they are not combative, then it doesn't matter whether they have a future or not. As far as I'm concerned, Congress could have done that job. Like Sheila Deekshit said, I never have had a fight with Atalji. Because none of you were interested in doing fuck all, yeah? <laughs> you were just interested in doing your same shit that generations have been doing. The whole point is up is that even if you destroy something in the process, like BSP, today BSP may be a spent force and finished. But no one can deny BSP made the Dalit voice or the Jata voice that you can't fuck with us. So, and now if it goes, it's done its job. So unless the AAP is fighting, I don't see its relevance. So that's they need to say. find a center where they can hold. I mean, right now, they're just all over the place. They're the party of governance, but they're not all the party of governance because, I mean, stopping Government rights is, is part of being part. Yeah. Of, that's the first job. And this last... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Anand. No, uh, my point is that uh, about media is that uh, nobody uh, uh, any rights. Now, if you has two parties and uh, the average media consumer... Uh, is uh, also has his side, so he does not um, a, a believe that uh, only one side has to be uh, held accountable for it uh, be, uh, because of the uh, even on social media, even on a lot of narratives that uh, you were talking about that is being uh, uh, made available. He is not confident about any media platform saying giving him the complete picture uh, the months that preceded it say the ntca protest violence also didn't uh, do much to encourage that confidence because either of the sides covered one side of it so i think uh, uh, i have talked to a lot of uh, average media consumers and the people who i meet uh, in my uh, daily lives and they say that uh, the, the very deeply entrenched perception is of selectivity that media only wants to show what it has been showing and believes in. So I think uh, that fact to opinion uh, convergence uh, is uh, now a perception that is well within the minds of uh, media consumers, yes. Okay, now before I move on, this is a message to the two dozen people who listen to Hafta on CastBox. CastBox is this podcast app and we had got on CastBox that if you only want to access the Hafta, you can only pay for that and access it. We are discontinuing our CastBox service because many of our CastBox listeners are technically subscribers because they're paying CastBox, but all that money doesn't really come to us. So they were only getting access to Hafta and nothing else. So now we are migrating the CastBox subscribers to our website so that they can access all our content, please write to us at contact at newslawney.com. I repeat, contact at newslawney.com. Dear CastBox subscribers, with your credentials, we will offer you a complimentary one-month subscription while we move you to the Newslaundry subscription because this whole CastBox complication is not working out. And if you have any feedback, do give it to contact at newslaundry.com. I repeat, mail us 
contact at newslawney.com and let us know what you think. Give us your critique, your suggestions. Feel free to be critical and criticize. We do not not read them because you don't like what we are saying because your suggestions will only make us better and they do have an impact in how we look at the world. Trust me. So do write in and let us know. But only if you're a subscriber, Mufat Khors, don't pay your gyan. We don't want yours. We only want our subscribers' gyan. Thank you. Okay, this is the last email and after this, guys, please have your recommendations ready. This is from Tarun. Hi, Vinodhan. Congratulations to everyone on completing eight years. I became a subscriber last month after listening as a Mufat Khors for almost three years. Your rants do work. Thank you, Tarun. <laughs> I'm glad they do. Now, coming straight to the feedback, please do more interviews. I have enjoyed all the ones that Newsline did this month. Taking from the same point, I love Nuisance and I've made sure that my mom and dad watch it every week. They have started loving it as well. Niku and only Niku should be the host till you guys find a better person to host Hafta. All other people who host in the absence are well-researched, but Niku has a special aura. Oh, thank you, Tarun. I needed that. <laughs> yes, you can abuse once in a while as long as it doesn't become a Sacred Games episode. <laughs> <laughs> I see that you guys are getting people from different points of view, ref, right, center, whatever. Please continue to do so. It never makes me take things for granted. Please tell Anand to use lighter vocabulary. I'm an MBS graduate, but I'm not that well-read. Please start a business podcast with the likes of Vekal Namit Verma and all business news channels offer, you know, common man's point of view. I have been working in the oil and gas industry for 13 years, currently based out of Dubai. Any plans of some conference here? Also, I'm the same guy who coaxed Nick on Twitter to recognize me on becoming a subscriber. <laughs> Thanks, Tarun. Dubai, mein, I doubt free speech ka conference karunga mein. <laughs> <laughs> Or as the Hindu right troll would do, go Saudi and show it to There's actually, I think Sudhir Chaudhary is doing something in Dubai. Oh yeah, today. Tarun, Sudhir Chaudhary is in Dubai having a conference on Vyond about the importance of reporting true, accurate news in an environment where it's very hard. You should go for that, yeah. Ask some questions. But I don't know, maybe we should do something in Dubai. Let's see, we are planning a lot of things. We have two people coming just who will be doing events. So expect a lot of events from News Laundry for our subscribers only this coming year because we are hiring a team only for that. So, on that note, Anand, please use lighter vocabulary. Tarun can't understand when you pay so much gyan in such heavy words that it's going to be out of all of it. Okay, you have to dumb it down. Pretend, 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 you know, everyone is like me. You have to do like that. <laughs> so, on that note, thank you, dear panel, for the wonderful discussion. Let's get the recommendations going. Let's start with Anand first. Oh, uh, I am recommending just one thing. Uh, uh, it is very unrelated to anything we discussed today. Uh, uh, but it's uh, related to seasons because I think this part of the year is uh, a kind of conjunction of different seasons, uh, uh, say winter going away and uh, even spring and uh, then we will herald summer. So I am uh, recommending an old text, a Sanskrit text by uh, a poem, actually a long poem by Kalidash Ritu Samhara. It's available in English also. I think it's one of the most beautiful things written on seasons in India. Ritu Samhara, it's uh, available in English translation also if you can't read Sanskrit. Yeah. All right, thank you. Mehraj? Uh, I have two recommendations. One is our own article, which Ayush has done about... Uh, the whole 
media coverage of the Ankit Sharma murder. Ankit Sharma was the IBS, IB officer who was killing, killed during the Delhi violence. So it really gives you an actual idea of what actually happened and how the media, as usual, distorted the whole thing. And nobody is the wiser what happened, actually. And the second is a book which I had uh, read over the last week. And it's a wonderful book by Mr. T.M. Krishna. Uh, it's called uh, Sebastian and Sons. It's about these uh, mridangam makers in Tamil Nadu. Mridangam is this instrument which is used in Carnatic music, classical music. And uh, the thing is that all, mostly all of the players are Brahmins, upper caste, because the Carnatic music has become a preserve of the Brahmins. Mm. But all the makers of the instrument are Dalits, Christian Dalits. Why? Because this instrument is made out of wood and also cow skin. Right. So the Brahmins can't touch the cow. They can't obviously slaughter and mm. cut it. So that job is left to the Mithika makers. And now there's this history of their, the interaction between the two, the transaction between the two, and how caste plays a role in that. It's a very wonderful book, so mm. you All should right. read that. Raman, sir? Netflix, you know, has just uh, released one documentary film on babies. Uh, it's a wonderful documentary film. I have seen just the first episode, already hooked onto it. Uh, this is, uh, you know, about uh, in 40 countries, they are trying to study the behavior of a two-month-old baby and the five-month-old baby in 40 countries. And, mm. and uh, over, uh, you know, 40 scientists who are studying it. And they're also trying to, uh, the parental behavior. It's a wonderful uh, documentary film in this time of turbulence. And uh, second is uh, our own stories on the Delhi riots, plus the Patriot.in has come out with a series, uh, you know, the entire edition is on uh, Delhi yeah, riots. So, uh, so, uh, so if you can yeah. uh, see the e-paper. So uh, my recommendation is actually, again, like Anand, it's unrelated to anything we've discussed, but I found it fascinating. It's an NPR podcast and it is about terms and conditions. It's, it's fascinating because till a few years ago, you know, you just kept clicking, I agree, I agree. And the reason for which a company could actually sue you on what you had agreed upon was so bizarre that you have to hear this podcast to believe it. And I think this podcast is a very good listen for three reasons. One, it shows you the disproportionate power that large organizations or large companies have and how they misuse it. Two, it shows you that in a country like America, it's possible to push back and how it can reach a logical conclusion where a law can be passed to make sure it doesn't happen again. And three, it is fantastic storytelling from a reporter's point of view. So I highly recommend all our reporters listen to it because it has an interesting small story which ends in the passage of a bill. So it has all oh. the elements of what makes a narrative compelling. And it also demonstrates why you should pay to keep news free. Because if you leave it to large organizations, then they can arm twist you any way they want. And by you, I mean me. But if I don't have to depend on Mukesh Bhai, hey Mukesh Bhai, Salam Toga, Salam Toga, <laughs> CNN, IBN, Salam Toga, Salam Toga, NDTV, Salam Toga, Salam Toga, Sudhir Chaudhary, Salam Toga, Salam Toga, Avinan Sekhar, Salam Toga, Illa hai boss. Aapun ka paisa na, subscriber se aata hai. Tujh se nahi, tu Salam Tok. That is why I say, pay to keep news free, because when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers served. On that note, I leave you with this song, which encapsulates the seasons but I wish there was something more pleasant to look forward to in this holy than what we have. Until next week, goodbye and good luck.
laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel